the free for all roundtable. Round two. On round two this morning, Pavan Branch is here, serial entrepreneur in marketing, tech, and real estate development, plus a part time farmer, journalist, co founder of The Line, an online magazine. Matt Gurney is here. And Lindsay Broadhead is a strategic communications and public affairs advisor. Good morning to you all. Uh, this will be a strong suit for most of you, I think. Uh, your chance to offer your observations of Toronto's deal. It's not a deal yet, it is a letter of intent. The deal will have to be ratified. But the proposition is that if the World Cup loses money, if MLSE loses money on the World Cup, then the city will suffer the burden of that debt. Uh, Matt Gurney, I appreciate that maybe they make a ton of money and they have to share that with the city and everyone's going to go, see, see. Um, but I just, I also think of Hollywood movies that, as you know, never turn a profit. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, my God, I want to sign one of these deals with every level of government going forward. Every business I create, I want them backstopping my, uh, my, my possible losses because I'm already on the hook for sharing my possible profits with them. They tax me. So, like, I, I'm not that blown away by this here. I, I've been writing for years, and I've been one of the guys who's been um, a, a bit of a downer on this one. Me, a downer. Who, who would have thunk it? But I, I don't want Toronto to ever have the Olympics. I, I don't trust us to pull this off. Like, like, if I had faith that we would actually execute them well, I would be okay with that. But I don't, and I'm not. And I'm honestly curious how the World Cup goes in Toronto, because it's kind of a mini example. Like, do you remember how excited Toronto got when we pulled off a reasonably successful Pan Am Games? The World Cup will be more of a test of whether or not this city is able of doing these things. I don't know. Maybe if it's a smashing success, maybe I'll change my mind. Maybe if we end up with a ton of money in the coffers, I'll have to eat a little bit of crow here. Look around the world, though, at cities that have recently hosted large sporting events. How many of them come out of it better? for the experience. Okay. Well, let me turn to Lindsay Broadhead on this one. Uh, I guess the discussion goes wider than this particular possible deal between the city and MLSE to the World Cup. I actually am a big booster of it because I think there are hundreds of thousands of soccer fans in this town. But Lindsay, your view on this proposed deal? I'm going to take a more optimistic stance than my friend Matt. Um, while I never like uh, taxpayers being on the hook, I think that's part of the, the game. Um, it, it's part of the risk that we take. Drawing international events to the GTA is a moneymaker for the city if we do it right, like Matt says, and we have to do it right. If we're going to claim to be a world-class city, we need to get our, uh, our stuff in order. Getting the game here will mean um, a great deal to very strategic areas of our city, namely the waterfront. There's going to be uh, a big World Cup uh, positioning along the waterfront. So that means our transit has to be right. Uh, a lot of the development a lot of, along there will be complete. So that's a huge catalyst and encouragement. Um, plus, it brings, obviously, huge international tourism back to our city, and we desperately need it. So, and, and I guess the last thing is it's a huge international spotlight on our city and our country. Um, reputationally, we have been faltering internationally. Why come to Canada? And this is another iteration of why that should happen. So I'm, I'm going to take the optimistic stance. Okay, I'll turn to you, Pavan. I'm normally a bread, not circuses guy, but I am actually quite jazzed because I think the World Cup is going to work. But then I also look at this deal and it makes me nervous. Well, I, I agree. I am normally that way as well. 
I would say that, uh, you know, first of all, compliments for actually revealing the deal. I think this is something that's significant because too often nowadays cities, provinces, the feds are doing secret deals and taxpayers don't get to see what's going on. And so I'm a strong proponent of that. But I want to I, I say that, you know, as much as I love Toronto's downtown, I think it's a massive opportunity to build a new facility that can be used for generations to come. And I would, you know, I would say that rather than forcing our ourselves into a deal with private sector downtown, which is pretty crowded anyways. Let's pick up on what was done with the Pan Am Games. I mean, there was a huge uh, a cycling event. The province gave money. Uh, the city invested money in Milton, and they built a spectacular velodrome that, if you haven't seen it, it's just worth a visit. It has a bike racing track, yes, but it also has running tracks, walking tracks, central courts for kids to play in. And so this is a facility that was built along the back of the, the Pan Am Games that is continuing to give back to the community and to keep people healthy. So I'd prefer that kind of an approach. Okay. I have actually been to the velodrome pump and I, I rode there awesome uh, but i was vaguely terrified because you have to go up on the loop and you're practically parallel to the ground lying <laughs> sideways right. but the guy That's said right. if anything's going wrong the only solution is to go faster gee thanks a lot <laughs> good option <laughs> okay giorgio mamaliti says his first order of business if he's elected mayor of toronto is to fire dr eileen Davila. um lindsay that just seems a little vindictive and by the way i don't know why people seem to think that public officers of health need to be put in jail this this is a head scratcher and i'll try not to be cynical about the candidate in this case but um you know it, First of all, strategically, from a political point of view, this is really a, a, a huge head scratcher because this is all about looking backwards uh, and not forwards. Everything our city right now <laughs> needs is looking forwards. So just thematically, it's really strange um, and I think quite silly. Um, secondly, um, whether you, you like our doctor or not, man, did she work hard and she did everything she could. Um, and I still applaud the way that our city handled COVID. Um, uh, we, we made tough decisions, um, and I think we saved a lot of lives. So I, I'm certainly not in his camp on this one, but let's look ahead candidates, not backwards. Well, Pavan, it also promotes a degree of, uh, of you know, hate, really, and let it not be forgotten. Eileen mm -hmm. Davila was under police protection during much of the pandemic. Yeah, it does definitely. I mean, I think he's taking a page out of, uh, I hate to say it, Pierre Polyev's leadership strategy, which was to appeal to these uh, this, this group of people who are disgruntled and not happy. Uh, and the facts are, obviously, in the Toronto mayoral race, that the, the, the prize will go to the largest splinter. Um, so, you know, he's chosen this as a way of, of generating cash and generating votes. And he knows that, you know, looking at Polyev's campaign, well, these people do come out and vote and they do send they do send checks. But it's sad. I mean, here we are looking at a situation where the city can't figure out how to get Internet access in a fixed tunnel over a period of many years. And now we've changed to a new approach. So we need leadership. We need capable leaders who can get things built, reimagined, and can build consensus. And he, he's obviously not the guy. Matt Gurney, I wish he'd go back to the big flagpole in the brothel. <laughs> Which were actually separate things. Yes. Um, you know, listen to what Pavan just said there. I mean, talking about how we can't bring Wi-Fi into the tunnels, but hey, we've got a great velodrome. Um, look, 
Here's the thing. Lindsay did yeoman's work talking about this idea as if it was serious. I don't feel obligated to do the same because she's already done all that homework for me. So I'm just going to give you the blunt and cynical take on this. He's appealing to the anti-vaxxers. That's all this is. And I, I think Pavan is exactly right. This is going to be a splinter built up of uh, slenderer, if that's a word, more slenders, <laughs> uh, splinters. And the anti-vaxxers, you know, every poll has shown that the kind of the hardcore anti-vax or anti-COVID restriction segment of the population, depending on time and place, is somewhere around 10%. That's a pretty big piece of the electorate when you might be able to win this thing with 25%. Now, just in terms of strategy, I don't know know if this is going to work, right? Because appealing to that 10% might alienate the entirety of the other 90%. But like this this is not particularly complex uh, political magic he's trying here. He's going for a high-profile, controversial thing that he knew we would talk about, and that 10% of the city is going to love the sound of. So our friend uh, John Wright has uh, produced something called the Maru Household Index, which is effectively crunching together the numbers about how Canadians feel about their personal finances and the economy. And uh, Pavan Brach, I know the headline says the index is at its lowest in two years. It's only the second time they've done it. But still, I'm, I'm somewhat surprised that so many people feel jittery about the economy. I get it. We've got inflation and things are unpredictable, but we've got the lowest unemployment in decades. Yeah, that part's good. I think, uh, you know, um, it, it's obvious that the interest rates being raised eight times in a row has, has created a lot of fear for homeowners and for business owners. Um, you know, they are they are afraid now to make capital investments, quite frankly, because they don't know what their government's going to do to them next. Uh, and and that's a that's a real fear. So uh, and and you know the reason we took interest rates up was because our you know all inflation was driven by fuel costs and all the rest of it, and those things are still there, unfortunately. So um, I'm not surprised at all by this. A lot of people. I'm pleased to see that there's some optimism in the real estate market right now. Hopefully it doesn't go too fast and too hard, causing uh, the central bank to again raise interest rates, which is which would be the worst thing possible. Uh, but I do I do understand why people are feeling this way. Okay, this is in your wheelhouse, Lindsay Broadhead. What's your observation? Um, well, I think Pavan nailed it. I mean, the jobs are secure um, and more secure than they they have been. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's as simple as there's less money in my wallet. Right. So even if people have made um, uh, an, an uptick in, in salaries or they feel more secure there, what we're seeing is actually salaries haven't increased uh, a huge amount unless you're on the upper end of uh, already the financial spectrum. Um, but, you know, the quote unquote middle class, lower middle class, the salaries have not increased substantially uh, and all the uh, external costs, be it food, housing, the necessities, clothing, um, have increased. So there's simply that those pressures and those strains without knowing where the Bank of Canada will go uh, and seeing a, uh, a federal budget that didn't make a huge impact for individuals. Uh, it, it focused more on the system. Um, we, you know, the, this is where we're at. We, we need some kind of release to come, either with a decrease in inflation or... Um, uh, some of the interest rates to go down, and, and that's unlikely. Okay, we're out of time. So, Pavan, we'll have to talk about your boat another day. But <laughs> No problem. Things I didn't know about Pavan. Pavan Broch, Lindsay Broadhead, and Matt Gurney. And the reason we were going to bring up the boat is one of the stories we had on the agenda, but we were talking about the serious stuff first, is this, basically, it's Airbnb for boats. 
and it's coming to Toronto and Hamilton, and you pay a monthly fee, and then you can go down and use a boat during certain hours. And for some people, I mean, not having to own a boat and being able to borrow one every few weeks would probably be quite desirable. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.